0: We would be honored if you would join
1: us. What's up, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So, how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy, because I'm as sick as a dolphin on dry land. It sucks being sick to begin with, and it is a hundred times worse when you have MS, but I'm going to try to power through it. But other than that, there's nothing all that new happening out here on the Outer Rim. Huts are still stinking and pirates are still plundering. Same old stuff. So where should we begin? As you heard, the intro was back at the beginning of the show. The votes came in and almost everyone said they liked it at the start. So we moved it back, and we got a lot of feedback about the news segment. Most of you said it was too long. So we are dropping it down from two to three news topics to just one. We will try to find the most important and relevant topic of the week and talk about that. Another thing that everyone said they disliked was how I interrupted in the middle of the chapter, you know, when I did my recap little thing. So we're moving everything to the end. The only thing that will be in the middle of the show is any the advertisement, and we will keep that to a minimum. We let you, the listeners, tell us how you wanted the show to be done, and that's how we're going to do it. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, I gotta ask everyone, what did you guys think about the latest episode of Andor? Like always, shoot me an email at sway.audio at gmail.com and let me know. I thought the fourth episode was good. It was a little slow, but had more of a Star Wars feel to me. Just gave me more of that Star Wars nostalgia. But I thought it was done very well. Okay, so what do we got for news this week? I thought this was pretty interesting. Christian Bale said that he would love to play in Star Wars, but there is a very specific role he wants to play. Mr. Bale is no stranger to a franchise film. After all, he's a superstar because of them, and once he hung up his bat suit, he avoided them for ages, only to play as a baddie for Marvel, but he said he wouldn't mind heading over to a very different series. This is only if they let him play an extremely specific character. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Bell was asked if he ever wanted to do a Star Wars film someday. And he said that he would, but with a small reservation. He said all I ever wanted out of Star Wars was to be in a Star Wars outfit and hit my head on a door or something as I walked through. He is referring to one of the most famous goose in A New Hope. All the real nerds who've watched Star Wars way too many times knows about the one scene where a stormtrooper hits his head on the doorframe. He said he wanted to be that guy. That was it. He made it clear he was joking, saying it would be great to play in a series he watched as a kid. The Stormtrooper mess-up is one of the most infamous bits from the original film. Maybe the entire franchise. There was even a documentary about it where they attempted, in vain, to locate the extra who screwed up so bad. But for him to joke like that shows how much of a fan he is to the franchise. And I hope that we get to see Mr. Bell in a Star Wars project someday. That would be awesome. But I really hope that he would do a better role than that. Now let's get back to the book. Because when we left off last week, Obi-Wan had just met size Ventress for the first time. Something that I thought was great. And it was something that I wanted to know for a long time. How did they meet? And how Ventress acted when she first met Kenobi. So now we know. She even flirted with him a little, which is a good tie-in with the Clone Wars animated series. She was always saying some flirty stuff as she was trying to kill him. So let's jump into the book and see what's happening now.
0: Anakin Skywalker. Chancellor Palpatine paced in front of the group of standing Jedi Knights, Anakin on the far end. You are our greatest hope and our guardians, he said. Coruscant's infinite stream of building lights visible behind him through the window spanning the length of his office. Particularly now, the Republic needs you more than ever. Fighting a growing enemy is a challenge. Not just physically, but philosophically. Morally. You represent the best chance for lasting peace throughout the galaxy. You are Jedi. Palpatine said his voice taking on a grim sheen, as if the accumulated talking and tasks of the day wore him out. Knights of the Republic. The group gave a mild, polite applause, a smattering of noise that barely rose above the sound of the ventilation. They each waited, the same group as yesterday, save for Cyrus Okent, who had already been assigned to join a clone battalion, fighting a sudden strike on Broca and Palpatine gestured out to the hallway. The short ceremony now concluded. The Jedi marched in pious single file. Palpatine receiving each one with a congratulations and thank you for defending peace and justice. Anakin was third from the end, and though he and the Chancellor enjoyed a less formal relationship, a guise of etiquette felt necessary here. Thank you, Chancellor, he said. May the Force be with you. Master Skywalker, please do wait a minute. Palpatine said, pausing the line, I need to speak with you about Master Kenobi's mission to Cato Neimoidia. Yes, Chancellor, he said with a slight head bow, his voice as docile as a youngling acknowledging his teacher. Durbin when heard gave the final acknowledgement of the group before shuffling out. Both Palpatine and Anakin watched her leave, ...waiting for the double doors to slide shut and seal them in the room alone. You were concerned about Obi-Wan? Anakin said, as Palpatine walked over to the small tray of refreshments delivered for the brief meeting. Outside the massive, transparent steel window, Coruscant's sunset started to transition the day's oranges to purples... ...while lines of speeder traffic whooshed by. Cuff? Palpatine asked, pouring himself a cup. Sure, Anakin said, thinking he could use a little perk before seeing Padme. A single shot of cream. There you are, my young friend, Palpatine said, putting a cup on the visitor's side of his broad desk. Sit down, sit down. Palpatine eased into his elaborate chair with a slight groan, then sipped on the small white mug in his hand. Now, tell me, how is Jedi knighthood? Anakin took the cup, a blink of confusion on his face. I thought you wanted to talk about Obi-Wan's mission. I simply wanted to catch up, he said with a raised eyebrow. It is so rare these days to find time for quiet conversation, don't you think? But if you want to discuss Master Kenobi, I am happy to. The right thing to say, the Jedi thing to say would be to shrug it off and instead chat about the upcoming aid mission to Langston. But the Chancellor was no ordinary politician or republic public dignitary. He had been there for Anakin since his early days with the Jedi, seemingly always tuned into Anakin's turbulent feelings. In moments of loneliness or frustration, Palpatine popped up in the timeliest manner a chance hallway meeting or crossing paths at the landing platform or scenarios like this when they would happen to be in a meeting together and Palpatine would find a way to grab a few extra minutes with Anakin not always with calf but sometimes that open hand of friendship always encouraged an honest conversation the feeling that how are you was a true inquiry and not just a default greeting Especially since they'd both been busy, the chaos of the war's quick escalation, throwing them all over the galaxy. Not to mention the time spent on Naboo to get married. Has anything troubled you lately? We haven't even had time to discuss the happenings of Geonosis. Palpatine took a sip and shook his head. How fast life changes these days. Actually, Anakin started. The words formed in him, wanting to push out without any regard for secrecy, to tell someone besides Padme about the horrors of that night on Tatooine. Someone older, wiser, who clearly cared for his well-being. Someone who didn't judge, which was why he couldn't tell any Jedi about it. Not even Obi-Wan. Anakin, I may be a busy man, but for the next few minutes... I am here merely as your friend. You can tell me anything. Polite creases formed around his mouth as Palpatine smiled. Please feel free to confide in me about whatever concerns you. You have permission to be honest, and I will not judge. While I do work with the Jedi, I am not beholden to their rules. Right before Geonosis, Anakin started before pausing, but it wasn't a hesitation. Instead, it was as if all of those feelings and memories competed to get out, causing a log jam in his throat. My mother died. Palpatine's lips parted, his brow tilting in concern. My boy, I am so sorry for your loss. She didn't just die. The words broke through, a storm raging with them. Flashes from that night flickered by. The way the lightsaber pierced the wall. The dance of the flame over his mother's cold, open eyes. The thump from the severed heads of the sand people hitting the ground. She was murdered, and I... Anakin stopped himself, letting it all formulate. Before that night, Anakin thought he knew pain. His first few days in the Jedi Order, the undying ache of missing his mother compounded with the sorrow of losing Qui-Gon Jinn. All of that magnified the way the Jedi seemed to talk and act with an intentional calm distance. Those dark times were a speck of dust compared with the endless desert of that night that moment when his mother's body went limp, unable to finish her final word. Rage, despair, disbelief. None of those words aptly described the unseemly primal explosion he felt in that moment. Even now, just thinking about it allowed such a beast to crack through his defenses until he took a steadying breath and pushed it back so words could form.
1: I killed them. The Sand People.
0: Unlike that moment in the Lars homestead, Anakin wasn't expelling grief through searing words and falling tears. This came out calm, tempered, equal parts admission and confirmation. They took her life, and I took theirs. Palpatine set his calf mug down with a clink, then reached over, the warmth of his palm resting over Anakin's mechanical one. Though the hand was made of wire and alloy He felt the connection in ways so different from most of the moments in his life They killed your mother Your mother, he said His weathered voice slow and deliberate Of course you wanted revenge How could anyone not when facing such an injustice? It seems like simple mathematics to me Now this was not an admission, this was a validation, and he knew, he knew, that the Chancellor would give it, because he always understood in ways that the Jedi couldn't. As if reading Anakin's mind, Palpatine sat up and quickly asked the perfect question. How many Jedi actually care about other people? Anakin started with his reflexive response. Attachment is forbidden. I know the dogma, but be honest. Let's take, say... Behind the Chancellor, a Republic cruiser emerged from below the window line, hovering upward until its ion drives came alive in a burst, powering the ship into the sky. Master Windu. He is perhaps the Order's greatest warrior, most powerful force at it. But do you really think he cares about people? Like a button pushed in his mind, Anakin saw Mace's glare, heard his condescending, monotone speech, felt the air of judgment that naturally came with him. He knew the Jedi Master would do anything to complete the mission, to dedicate himself to seeing justice in the Republic. But did he care about anyone? Not, Anakin said slowly, in the same way you or I do. You see... Master Windu can go on for hours about shatterpoints, but perhaps that lack of empathy is his very own shatterpoint. Palpatine gave a weary grin, his eyes offering an empathy that Anakin so rarely felt in his life. You care, Anakin. You have an immense heart. Don't let the Jedi take it from you. Your heart makes you a better person. It makes you a stronger person. Though the words didn't directly reflect the Tale of the Sun Dragon, it touched on it just enough that Anakin pictured his mother sitting on the edge of his bed. Had he been alone, not with the Chancellor, not with Padme, not with Obi-Wan, he may have cracked, but he wouldn't let himself right now. And instead, he pushed all those feelings inside. I'm worried about Obi-Wan, he blurted out, changing the subject to the most obvious choice. Palpatine laughed quietly and picked his mug back up. You see? You are a person who cares. I should be going with him. How can they send me to escort an A-drop-off when Obi-Wan is going alone into enemy territory? Ah, don't call them the enemy. Kato'nay is neutral, after all. Palpatine took an extra long sip of his drink. The pause long enough for a new storm to gather in Anakin's mind. The enemy. Of course they were. All framing of neutrality and politics disappeared, and instead, all he thought of was Naboo a decade ago. Though he rarely came face to face with any audience, he saw their machines of war up close. And Padme? She had nearly lost her life, her planet, in a desperate quest for liberty. If there was an enemy, it would be them. Despite their ties to Newt Gunray and his ties to the Separatists, Palpatine said with a sigh... Anakin tried to temper his feelings, but the mere mention of Newt Gunray fanned the flames. But you are right. Master Kenobi should have brought you. Unofficially, as backup. If you thought so, Anakin asked, why didn't you say so? The question was blurted out in a way that he immediately regretted. His feelings getting the better of him. Palpatine didn't seem to take offense, and instead smiled again as a response. A valid question. You see, I only have the authority to approve the framework of the mission. Perhaps if the Jedi and the military were further integrated, I might have more say. The execution of it comes down to the Jedi themselves. They set the mission parameters. Count Dooku set the mission parameters. Anakin said, his feelings settling. Mission parameters can always be changed in politics, military missions, or life, and the truly wise know when to make those changes. Bah! He straightened up, finishing his calf. I have taken enough of your time. Your first lead assignment as a Jedi Knight is tomorrow, is it not? Yes, and initiates are going to be on it. Anakin decided not to finish his drink. His hands rested across his lap. A formal pose as he tried to ground himself from the whiplash of emotions. It's concerning. I understand. I personally requested that change. Not just on your mission, but many missions. Younglings aren't ready. That may be true. Palpatine tinted his fingers as he swiveled his chair sideways. The Chancellor looked outside, the color of sunset tinting his face. But this war may last longer than we hope. And as the younglings grow into Padawans, they must feel comfortable around the clones. We must prepare for every possibility. I hope they do not have to face the horrors of war. But I would rather them be prepared than not. Wouldn't you? Yes, of course. Anakin said reflexively though doubt still tugged at him. Obi-Wan had spoken with concern about lines blurring between the Jedi Order and the military. Bringing younglings into the mix seemed to push that even further. Anakin, you should set that aside for one evening. Rest up, he said, and enjoy your time before your first mission. It is a milestone. You should be proud. I know I am. They stood up in unison, then walked slowly back to the entryway, as they'd done possibly a hundred times now since qui brought Anakin to Coruscant. Do you have any special plans to commemorate your achievements? Plans? Whether or not Padme came up with anything concrete to do, he'd find out soon. The specifics of the plans didn't matter, though he hoped they'd avoid politics on their final night. What mattered was spending time with his wife, before the galaxy tore them apart yet again. Someday, he might get used to it. Or someday, maybe they wouldn't have to do this dance anymore. It will be quiet, Anakin said as the large double door slid open. I plan on meditating. Of course. Palpatine responded with the same reassuring smile Anakin had seen for the past decade.
1: As a Jedi Knight should. Oh my gosh, if we don't get some action soon, I don't know how much more I can take. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I didn't like the chapter, because I did. Finally finding out how Anakin told Palpatine about his mother and what he did to the Sand People is something that I wanted to know. How Palpatine used his influence to get Anakin to open up to him. It shows how evil Palpatine really was. But Anakin just told him that he killed a bunch of people, and the leader of the Free Galaxy tells him that it was okay. Let one of us kill a bunch of people, then tell the president of our country that we did it. He would have us arrested right then and there, do not pass gold, do not collect $200. Your life is jacked up from that point forward. Not only would you be going to prison, he would never talk to you again. So I don't know how Anakin didn't know there was something wrong. Then he gets to talking about how the Jedi don't care about people, twisting their beliefs around to say something different. I don't know if there's a better Sith Lord than Sidious when it comes to manipulation, and we see it through the entire Skywalker saga. The dude is just dope at manipulation and tricking people. He is very conniving. Okay, let's get to the quote for this week. And this quote comes to us from Jim Rowan. He said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Now by no means am I telling anyone not to go to school. College was one of the best things I ever did. It gave me skills that I use every day. What I am talking about is change. And what do I mean by change? The world is changing every day. To be successful years ago, you had to go to school for something that made a lot of money then grow with a company until you were successful. Think about it, even if you were an athlete, you went to school to play football, you got drafted by an NFL team, you worked hard and you became successful. Nowadays there are millionaires that are 15 years old that made it big in social media playing video games and creating apps on cell phones. Times have changed and we must change with those times. That means you must teach yourself new skills. Luckily, it is becoming easier to learn stuff. Nowadays, we have computers in our pockets that allow us to access information whenever we want. And one of the best ways to learn new stuff is a thing that most of us look at at least once a day. That thing called YouTube. You can almost learn anything on YouTube. And no, YouTube is not a sponsor of this podcast. Shoot, that would be awesome if they were. But it is something that I have used to learn. It is a great resource. But there's a lot of other sites. One of them being Audible, where you can just get books that can teach you how to do anything. What I am getting at is the resources are available. You must keep learning new skills if you are to stay on top of this new world. The old models still work, don't get me wrong. But even doctors must learn new stuff because changes are made in medicine every day. So you must learn new things to stay relevant in whatever your business does. Formal education is great, but what you can teach yourself will take you further in accomplishing your goals. Okay, that's all I got for this episode. Join us next week for part 18. We hope to see you there. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.